It is Locked On Jazz for December the 15th. Jazz and the Clippers reunite for the first time since they knocked the Jazz out last year. How are the Jazz different now that they have Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gobert? Plus, more on Donovan Mitchell and, excuse me, now they have Rudy Gay. And now that more on Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and their improvement. Too many Rudy G's. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. You can subscribe and follow on all platforms. We are free and available on all platforms. Please do if you'd like to leave a review. We greatly appreciate that. Um, and thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz our first listen of the day. Jazz and the Clippers tonight. Tickets are still available at utahjazz.com. It's an 8 o'clock start. ESPN broadcast, Mark Jones, Vince Carter, Craig Bullerjack, Thurl Bailey still on the call for the Jazz. I don't know if Holly's in town. Um, I could look at my notes and see. Then I think we're also in KSL Radio today. So um, yesterday we talked about the improved play of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And we did a little bit in numbers. But I, didn't, I actually went back and listened. I didn't think we... Did enough. So I wanted to just kind of touch back on it. And if you actually go back to the beginning of the season, when we were talking about how, what we thought might happen this year, I had said that I thought the teams that could get better were Dallas because Luka would get better. He hasn't had a great start. Miles Bridges would get better. Devin Booker would get better. DeAndre Eaton could get better. And with their experience, Phoenix would be better. And that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell could get better. And then other than that, there weren't, a ton of players in the West who I thought were going to change who they were as players. I think we've seen that out of Donovan and, and Rudy for Rudy. It's a little bit on the offensive end and it's, and it's showing up in both his rebounding. I mean, we talked defense yesterday. He's just incredible. He still impacts everything. Every team tries to knock him out of it, but it is that he is got, he's using Quinn's talked about this twice now recently. He's got more patience offensively, gets the ball. He's not frantic to make a move. He's got a stronger lower body base. And the big offseason question was largely if could Rudy Gobert add lower body strength with his high base become more stable without losing the things that make him what might turn out to be the greatest defensive player in the history of the game. You know, the greatness of Rudy is the multiple actions to be able to, to reach out. We talked about the other day, there was a pick and roll where he literally defended the ball handler. Donovan left the play for some reason. Rudy, I, I some reason being either Donovan made a mistake or that was the coverage. I don't know which. Um, Rudy's reaching out, defending the ball handler and holding off Jared Allen at the same time. Gets back, able to make a play on both. I mean, there just aren't guys that do that. If you go get too heavy in the base, you know, you go get a base like Zubak who we'll see tonight is really good. You actually can't do that. You can't, you can't make that play. So how did Rudy, you know, in his strength training in the off season, get stronger, get a better base and yet not lose the essence of, of what he was. And he's done it. 
and you're watching just a little bit more patience offensively. He's getting the ball. He's holding his positioning better. He's waiting to make his play. He's stretching himself offensively. I know there's groans and grunts and people concerned sometimes about that. You know, the comment I would make to that is, remember, if he had limited himself defensively, he would have never become this player. He's always pushed himself. Now he's pushing himself to try to be better offensively than he's ever been before. And we're seeing the benefit of it with the win against Cleveland is that rolling hook to the middle and slam dunk over Jared Allen is a play where he took his time, collected himself, and then went and then made the very forceful, aggressive move, which, you know, frankly, he had probably tried a bunch of times before and missed. Um, And so I think that's where you're seeing his development is on the offensive end, just a patience and understand his passing is also way better. On Donovan, it's very similar. Donovan, to me, if I had one wish on Donovan, it would be a little more Trey Young. When we watched Trey Young this year, his ability to slow down, get to almost zero speed, accelerate back up, move in between speeds and gears while playing the pick and roll was magical. I had not realized how special it really was. I'd, I'd, I had numerous times seen Trey Young's numbers and been like, wow, this guy just does things that are not normal. And then saw how it happened. Um, and I think that uh, when you start to look at that with Donovan, you're beginning to see a little bit of it. He doesn't do it as blatantly obvious as Trey Young. Um, because it's not his natural game. But if you actually watch De'Aaron Fox, who has added almost no hesitation to his game, and it's hurting his ability, he also is not anywhere near the shooter that Donovan is, you're now seeing Donovan use it. He uses it in a subtler sense, sometimes slow going to a pick and then accelerating out of it. You don't see it in the middle, but you see him sometimes now getting into the paint and holding his ground and setting his feet to make a play. So you're seeing that hesitation, slowness, patience. That's the game slowing down for you. All the same things. We have to remember these guys are super young. And, you know, at that age, they are um, still way behind the curve, particularly Donovan of anyone who ever wins a championship. So we're picking them up as a, you know, as an incredibly important um, player to have, um, you know, watching him develop and being asked to do a tremendous, tremendous amount. Um, sorry, we have a neighbors who continually park their car on the side of the street, despite the fact you're not supposed to in the big snowplows coming. And I'm wondering if the snowplow is just going to like destroy the car. Just listen to the sound. I'm waiting for the sound. Um, so, uh, you know, those are the two areas where non-statistically, um, and I think that's also the why Donovan's shooting his twos. Yesterday I t- gave you the numbers of why Donovan's shooting the twos um, so much better than before. I want to talk about Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gobert, but Ryan just came in with a question that everyone wants me to address. Shams and Fisher reported. Fisher's working hard to become Shams, isn't he? Um, reporting that the Jazz are searching for more defensive-minded wing. Are there any players you've seen that intrigue you? You know, this is really an ongoing story for us. So, sure. Um, I think the only way we're getting a defensive-minded wing is a veteran minimum signing, that we trade or move some of our younger players, um, acquire, maybe have to use draft picks to move them or acquire draft picks for them, um, depending on who they are. And then uh, we add somebody who gets released on a buyout. That's that's it. If you look at our draft situation, the 2022 first round pick is went to Memphis uh, for Mike Conley. So we cannot trade the 2022 this year's first round pick. Therefore, since the 2022 first round pick is already 
in Memphis is we can't trade our 2023 pick. League rules are you cannot trade back-to-back first-round picks. Our 2024 first-round pick is currently the property of Oklahoma City for Derek Favors. The unfortunate one there is that we couldn't trade instead of, I know we all love Jared Butler, but instead of acquiring Jared Butler, if we had traded this year's first-round pick, we would have been able to maybe have a little bit more freedom, but we couldn't do it. So, um, so the 20 to get off the Derek Favors deal. So the 2024 um, pick is in Oklahoma city. It's protected. So it actually holds for 2025 and 2026. And then it, if, if the protections don't hold, it ends up going to uh, a, a 2026 second round pick. That one's pretty, that really restricts our ability to trade a first round pick to get a player. Um, and that one also, ha- the protections are really important because there's a chance by 2024, 2025, that Donovan is gone. Right? I mean, there's a chance. You have to you have to build your franchise with the possibility that someone could, most players have asked out by then or moved on. So you, you don't want to suddenly have an unprotected 2020, you don't want to suddenly make your 2024, 2025 draft pick unprotected because just so that you could, make a trade for the 2027 draft pick so that you could try to win a championship this year when all of a sudden those picks are actually your only value along the way. So um, it's going to be, it is almost impossible for us to acquire a player unless, so the only two ways we're going to be able to acquire a player at the trade deadline is either trading one of our current players who, you know, a Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal, Jordan Clarkson, like good player, uh, or acquiring a veteran minimum who's been released. And actually, from a luxury tax standpoint, if I have it correctly, that actually could be cheaper for us. Um, and so, therefore, that actually is a pretty good mode. Like, if we had, like, Tory Craig last year went to Phoenix, I think it was, out of Milwaukee. Now, the other thing is you got to make sure we have minutes. Like, like where are they playing? Eric Pascal's not playing right now. He's a pretty good player. Um, you know, we can go acquire someone like whose minutes are they taking? And by the way, a defensive wing is a nice way of saying someone who can't shoot because if someone's a defensive wing and they can shoot, then they're an all-star. Um, and so if you really want our whole essence is we have the greatest offense in the league because we can shoot. And frankly, what changed in our offense is that Rudy Gay came in for Eric Pascal, who is not a very good shooter. And so we put Rudy Gay in there and suddenly the offense exploded. These are not coincidental occasions that the, that, that switch happened at that point. Eric's a good player, does a lot of things, very versatile, has a strong on a bunch of items, you know, does things very, very well. One thing he does not do particularly well is shoot. And so that wasn't coincidental that Rudy Gay at 40% came in for Eric Pascal and the whole offense exploded for 48 minutes every night. So if you want this defensive wing, whose minutes is he taking? You know, and then how are you getting? Uh, somebody's asking, is Eric Gordon a defensive wing? Probably not at this point. However, Eric Gordon's a stud. And if Eric Gordon was available for the veteran minimum, he has a very close relationship with one of our assistant coaches and Jeff Watkinson. And if Eric Gordon was available and understood that we weren't sure how he was getting minutes, I would love to have him. I just think he's a stud and just a total stud. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The few things here, the Murdochs have done an amazing thing, which is despite the car shortage and the supply chain issues and all the things that are going on, they are not going to charge you more than MSRP. It's a pretty nice statement from the family to 
to, you know, really just hold to who they are at in this family, everything of that nature. Um, part two of this is that they are beginning to get more and more items that are coming in. Here's the latest I have from Murdoch Hyundai of what's coming in. 2022 models will be here before February 5th. Inventories begin to ramp up. 30 Sonatas, six Elantras, 25 Santa Fe's, 32 of the new Tucson body style. That's really cool. Nine Santa Cruz, 14 Palisades. So the car that everyone's wanted, that half, no one's been able to get, are beginning to come in. Eight iconic hybrids and 11 Konas. So Hyundai is beginning to ramp this up, can get you your cars. They'll all be here before February 5th. Stop by 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. Feel free to email me and I will get back to you and set you up with a VIP meeting um, with, <coughs> excuse me, with someone over at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at betonline.ag. Does Charles Barkley and his silly predictions change the betting line on games, on uh, the odds on betonline.ag. Let's see what we have. Um, I doubt it. Tonight's game, Jazz and the Clippers. The line tonight is the Jazz are a nine and a half point favorite over the Clippers. Paul George and Nicholas Batum are both questionable. So that could probably move the line a little bit. I certainly don't think we're nine and a half points better than the Clippers. Um, but that one's an interesting one. Denver's a four and a half point favorite over Minnesota because Nikola Jokic is just insane. How is that possible? Um, COVID is just running rampant through this league right now and all leagues and all it's, uh, it's not a great sign, right? Like I think sports is going to be the precursor here again. Uh, here are the lines as of today, still similar to yesterday. Brooklyn's at 275, Warriors at 425. And the so really they see it as a two-team race. Bucks at 850. Suns at 850, Jazz at 950, Lakers at 1,000 to win the title. Um, NBA player futures, regular season MVP, Steph Curry at plus 110, Kevin Durant at plus 350, Adekumbo at plus 650, Jokic at plus 1,200. He's having the best year of anyone in the league. He's at plus 1,250. How is that possible? Uh, Steve Kerr's plus 325, Monty Williams plus 350 for coach of the year, Billy Donovan at plus 650, Quinn at plus 1,200 defensive player of the year. Draymond Green at plus 125. Rudy Gobert at plus 180. That's probably right. NBA most improved player, Miles Bridges at plus 150. Ja Moran at plus 400. Rookie of the year, Evan Mobley at plus 150. Cade Cunningham, 225. Sixth man, Tyler Hero at minus 250. Montrez Harrell plus 900. They've never seen he doesn't play defense. Jordan Clarkson at plus 1,800. All right, that's your betonline.ag promo code locked on. Gets you 50%. Welcome bonus. All right, how different are we with Hassan Whiteside and with Rudy Go uh, Rudy Gay? Let me do it. I want to do this one by numbers um, because I think that tells the best story. So, you know, the issue last year for us, with as, as much as we love Derek Favors, he just didn't have a very good year. He didn't have his bounce. He didn't have kind of the defensive presence um, that we hoped he would have. And yet somehow we actually, despite all the kind of lamenting about it, we actually were pretty good with faves on the floor last year. If you actually go back to it and look at it last year, when faves was on the floor, we were really good offensively and we were just horrendous defensively. So let's make sure we review the facts on this because I think we, 
I think we've kind of forgotten a little bit on what the truth is, um, on what actually took place. So uh, we were plus 1.5 points per 100 possessions. We are in the 81st percentile offensively. We grabbed 29% of all offensive rebounds. And defensively, we're in the 23rd percentile. Okay, so that was where the problem lay. So this year, so again, we were in the 81st percentile offensively in the 23rd percentile defensively. The offense is different this year in the league, so it's really, that's the right way to do it. 81st and 23rd is the kind of two numbers to look at. This year with Hassan Whiteside on the floor, we are in the, in, offensively we've gotten better. We're in the 94th percentile. And largely because our offensive rebounding is insane. When Whiteside is on the floor, we're getting 33% of all of our offensive rebounds. Uh, we're shooting very, very well, largely probably because Hassan's dunking offensive rebounds. Um, but the offense is in the 94th percentile. And we're plus nine per 100 possessions when Hassan's on the floor. That is a massive improvement. And the reason is because the defense is average which is really all we had asked for in the offseason when we talked about it. Is there any way the defense could be average with Hassan Whiteside on the floor? And frankly, the defense this year with Rudy Gobert on the floor has not been as good yet as it was a year ago. It might get there, but it, it has not yet. The one area that's a little disconcerting is that the two lineups in which Hassan plays the most, the three most, are terrible defensively. So Donovan Mitchell, Royce O'Neal, Boyan Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, and Hassan Whiteside, which is um, not one that, that plays a ton. That's It kind of sneaks in there, but it's the lineup he's actually played the most minutes with. Um, it's the first substitute. Actually, no, that's his first substitution. That lineup is still not positive, and the defensive rating is in the 8th percentile. So that's not a great sign. The secondary, and the reason is because it doesn't rebound at all. It's only getting... 30, it's allowing 36% of the opponent's defensive rebound or offensive rebounds. The next lineup, which is then when Clarkson comes in uh, to the game, and then uh, this is without Joe, uh, is in the 12th percentile defensively. Now, they've changed this structure a little bit. This lineup's not playing quite as much as it once did. Um, we're seeing a little bit more of the Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles, Hassan Whiteside. That one's actually been better defensively. So there's these other lineups that he's played in more that are better defensively. But that's worth keeping an eye on. But it's a massive improvement. <coughs> it's plus nine per 100 possessions. It's in the 94th percentile offensively and the 52nd percentile defensively. Now let's look at Rudy Gay. And let's be perfectly clear about Rudy Gay. We haven't tapped this yet. We haven't even begun to tap this yet. Rudy Gay is, we ran a 4-1 pick and roll the other day for the first time out of a timeout in the second quarter against Washington. We ran a elbow set where, horn set where each guy is at the elbow um, and we passed to Rudy Gay and then Rudy Gobert came and set a pick and it was a low pick and roll going to the basket. We haven't even tapped into this yet. When Rudy Gay has been on the floor for us this year, we are plus 17 per 100 possessions. The offense is in the 99th percentile with a 123 offensive rating. 
I am not sure that the 60% effective field goal percentage is totally sustainable. We probably need to do our show here pretty soon on what's sustainable and what's not. Like that was the, the, the evil word last year. Is this sustainable? Like we'd won 22 of 23. No, it's not sustainable. But like just what are we watching that's sustainable and not sustainable? Um, when Rudy Gay and Rudy Gobert are on the floor together, which I think gets really interesting as the playoffs go on. I actually think Rudy Gay starts to play a few more minutes here. I don't know how. We're plus 24 per 100 possessions. Our offense is in the 100th percentile. Our defense is in the 89th percentile. Our offense is a 127.2 in the 301 possessions that Rudy Gay has played with Rudy Gobert. It's really, it's it's mind-boggling great. Our effective field goal percentage is 63%, which is, again, seems like probably not sustainable. It would be historic. Um. You know, we have some lineups that are doing some crazy things. There's a lineup that has like a 73% effective field goal percentage. That's probably not going to last. But I don't even think we've tapped what Rudy Gay can do for this team and how many different things he can he can touch into. And without even tapping it, the impact is mammoth. So that's where both those areas, we get ready for the Clippers tonight, where we are a very different team than we were a year ago. Very different team. Um, and you know, some of these numbers are, are somewhat mind blown. Uh, and Rudy Gay's playing, you know, Rudy Gay's playing well, but I don't think actually Rudy Gay's individual numbers are dramatically different. Like what's interesting about Rudy Gay. And he talked about this this week with the media is he's a bit of a chameleon. And we talked about this, about him coming to San Antonio, looked at like one year, his assist rate was up this. So he's playing the fewest minutes of his career. He's playing 19. He played 22 each of the last two years. So I think he'll get up there. He's taking more threes per game that he's ever taken in his life. Well, that's what we do. That's him being a chameleon. That's him adapting to the Utah Jazz and playing that way. His usage rate is the lowest it's ever been in his career. That's him adapting to who we are and what we do. His three-point rate is higher than ever. His defensive rebounding rate is as high as it's been at any point in his career. In the last two years, he kind of changed who he was. His overall rebounding rate is the highest it's ever been in his career at this stage. And at 35 years old, he has the best rebounding rate he's ever had in his career. His assist rate is actually the lowest it's ever been in his career with his usage rate, the lowest also, which is interesting. Like he's really adapting to play without the ball and with a team and not force it. It's pretty great. So pretty interesting little notes there on how we're a different team. All right, let's talk about the Clippers. It is going to be fascinating to see what is done tonight by Tyron Lue. Does he play playoff strategy or regular season strategy? I'll explain that to you in just a second. Today's show is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forget about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts. Truebill will cancel all your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill is 
over 2 million users and help save them $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands of dollars. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Are you looking for that last second Christmas present? What about stance? Comfortable, colorful, beautiful, cool, active apparel, hip, what other words do you want to use about Stance? Founded in 20, 2009, Stance Apparel represents the radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. A sharp focus on comfort, quality, creativity, and coolness. Ultimate style and self-expression. I still wear my Brent Berry Stance socks every time I go mountain biking. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting. I know that's probably not cool. The Bob Marley one's probably cool. The Marvel one's probably cool. The Goonie one's probably cool. Brent Berry, only cool to me. Pixar one's super cool. That those who feel good, do good. Go see for yourself. Register an account at stance.com. Get 15% off your purchase. Use the promo code locked on to check out to apply. Enjoy the color and the comfort of a less life less ordinary with stance. So who are the LA Clippers? They obviously do not have Kawhi Leonard, and we do not know right now whether or not they have Paul George or Nicholas Batum. What's really interesting about them is the team we saw in the playoffs, Tyron Lou changed completely who they are incredibly and built them into a team that beat us. Great coaching. Unbelievable. Great job. They were a heavy pick and roll team. They became a completely drive centric team and they began to switch. uh, They began to switch all their pick and rolls. So from a defensive standpoint this year, they've been playing Zubak about 22 minutes a night. They've been playing uh, Isaiah Hammerstein as well. They're only switching about 25% of their pick and rolls this year. So I don't know what they do tonight. Do they come back out and switch everything and say to us, like, we know how to beat you. We're going to play you exactly in that fashion and just beat you with the switching and let you, or do they say, you know what? We're not going to worry about you because we know what to do against you in the playoffs. We're going to play you like a regular season team. And if you torch us, then that happens. Who cares? Really fascinating to watch what they do defensively. Do they trap the ball with Donovan like they did in the playoffs? Do they drop big? How do they play that? I think that'll be really, really interesting. Second part of this that's going to be super interesting is what do they do offensively? Because what they did against us is they spread it five wide, played Terrence Mann as their center, I guess, because we guarded him that way, and just drove us. Just drove us. They're they're 19th in the league in drives right now. They're really struggling badly offensively. Um, they, they do not, um, for whatever reason, uh, they have not been able to kind of make the adjustment this year the way they would have thought. I missed on this. I thought they were going to be actually okay offensively. They're 23rd in the league offensively. They're fourth in the league defensively. They're really, of all weird things, and I think this will be, they, they terrify me. Um, I think they're going to be get better and better and better and better as year goes on. And by the time we hit the playoffs, I think they're, particularly if Kawhi comes back, I think they could be the favorite in the West. Um. They're 30th in transition. Like, that's not going to last. That There's something funky going on there. Um, they are, they, um, they're 30th in transition. We're 29th defending transition, so that's interesting. They're 12th in the half court offensively. So they're, while they're 23rd overall offensively, they're actually not as bad offensively as they statistically look. They're, they're, they're turning it over a little bit. They're not offensive rebound. They're not going to the line. They don't attack the rim. Their shot distribution's funky. It has been for years. Um, they really, they're almost, and this is where, you know, sometimes for us, Rudy, it's hard for us with Rudy, that 
They're 25th in the league at taking shots at the rim. They're 25th in the league at taking short mid-range shots. They take the fifth most amount of long twos. They take 11th most amount of threes. So, you know, they're willing to kind of play in that long two range, which probably is fine for us. We'll mathematically uh, beat them at that tonight. And it will be interesting to see how they how they play this out tonight. So offensively, so defensively, as I said, they're only switching about 25% of their pick and rolls. Offensively, they're only about 17th the league in drives. They're not really pounding the drive. They're playing pick and roll. You know, they, they're 13, 14, Paul George, Zubak pick and rolls a game, 10, 11, Reggie Jackson, Zubak pick and rolls a game, and then they kind of move. Eric Bledsoe gets some with Harkenstein, and Reggie Jackson gets some with Harkenstein, and Bledsoe gets some with Zubak, and that's kind of what they are. Um, they're not popping their pick and roll at any great rate. I think they're below 20% on popping the pick and roll because their bigs don't pop. So it'll be super curious to see how they play us tonight. Do they play us playoff style where they spread the floor drive and then switch everything defensively? Or do they play us regular season style the way they've been playing the regular season? I'm going to guess they do the latter. Regular season, this is a great example of where regular season and playoff basketball are different. Most teams stay in regular season, but Quinn will play a little playoff basketball throughout the regular season with preparation, believing it helps his team prepare for the playoffs. Tyron Lue's done a great job. uh, That was not a, I mean, that man has earned his due. No one's looking back at that Cleveland championship anymore saying, well, I don't know if he was really involved. No, he did it. Like, give him credit. All right, that is Locked on Jazz. Have a great day. Thanks very much for tuning in. Excited to be back on the call tonight after a few days off. See you.